The Last Time I Smoked is an independent entertainment podcast intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What I try to do, especially with my independent, low-budget filmmaking, is really just try to bring back the old-school way of doing things because really, movies can be made for so much cheaper. We'll spend so much useless money on fucking nothing. What? Um... <laughs> on fucking nothing. Yeah, for no reason. I mean, half of it's just fucking paying the actors way too goddamn much. Um, <laughs> good boy. Who's a good boy? Um, fuck, I don't even know what the hell I was going to say. Um, actors pay too much. Of course they are. Welcome to The Last Time I Smoked. I'm your host, Landon Charles Hughes, and on today's episode, The Theme. Today's guest is Aaron Toft, and ending with some thank yous. The theme. That sounds stupid. Um, aging. <sighs> aging. The theme of aging. The theme of aging. Oh, that's good. Okay. The theme of aging. The theme of aging regarding most any creative endeavor is cliche. Although not in my perspective. I've finally gotten to an original place professionally that I've been grasping after for a large part of my life. Beginning as a dreamer, evolved into my comedy career, then finally fighting the thoughts of rejection year after year and failure after countless failures, proverbially bombing all over the great city of Los Angeles, California, and some of the most homophobic, racist, misogynistic, and purely ignorant open mics only to continually be inspired by these amateur comedians. Open mics I've learned are not for the faint of heart, okay? Each comedian has an immense catalog of stories to tell about the good, the bad, and the innate in their respective lives. They craft a style they believe is the best representation of their inner dilemmas, ultimately opening up the shell they surround themselves with, all while continuing to make comparisons and judgments of other people's shells. And then we bomb. Again, proverbially. It's beautiful and glorious to watch somebody completely eat shit while practicing their First Amendment right. I never realized growing into more of an adult as a comedian in Los Angeles, the amount of culture and people and experiences I'm privy to in this is also moving, you know? For some reason or another, the sincerity doesn't always play as vividly as I feel I'm experiencing growth. People say one thing and then do another. The character of another human being is purely the only metric for which to judge a person. And even after a conviction is forgiveness forlorn, it was all my natural progression of what I wanted and the unique crafts and skills I've learned along the way that has led me to new skills and experiences to sharpen my most important tools, I think that I believe would build me a more concrete foundation to simply do the creative work I would like to pursue. I think my pursuits for success during the beginning of my career were for less than simple reasons. For sure. And seven years ago, I was a different person. Using those contrary opinions and ideas others had about me was the fuel that propelled my engine of immense personal change. I'm so proud of my dumber, younger self to have led me this far. 
And I think that's the most exciting part of my perspective. Aging. My guest today is Aaron Toft. I can't thank him enough for taking the time out of his busy schedule to visit me. Um, Aaron Toft is also a U.S. Marine veteran. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm Air Force. Remember that. Air Force. I'm not Marine. I just, I like their work ethic. Um, he, he's literally a budding success story of what like perseverance and tenacity and great character can achieve. Like <laughs> he's wonderful. Um, he's also an alumnus, uh, alumni, sorry, of the Los Angeles Film School. Uh, he graduated with my class and he is currently in post-production of his first feature film as both a director and an actor. The film is entitled Ghost Rises. Uh, I got a little cameo in it, so I can't wait till it's done so we can see it. (laughs) Um, uh, He offered his talents as an actor to my short film play that we did in 2013. Uh, And I don't know, Aaron's just like this rolling stone of enthusiasm and brilliant work ethic. The right saw blade sound for... Mm. 10 frames. It's actually just scissors on a, a tin can. <laughs> it sounds really realistic, though, doesn't it? <laughs> or somebody's going to go try that at home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the sound when you uh, blow bubbles in your chocolate milk. I've always been fond of that sound. Really? The bloop. Did you ever uh, use those cereal bowls that had the straw built in so that way you could drink the milk at the end? No. Jackson. I think that that might have been invented right after I stopped eating cereal. I think it may have been that for me, but I had younger siblings, so my family bought the whole thing. They're like these little colored plastic bowls, and the straw was built right in. And it, it's a... There's like a funnel at the bottom of the bowl that... Yeah, like the the, the, the plastic and the straw that's built in opens at the bottom and it mm-hmm. comes out of the top. So it's a regular cereal bowl at the end. You... Oh, no. I was just old school where I just like, you know... Oh, and that's good as long as you don't have a soup drinking style problem. That, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how often I pick up a, a can and I go to drink it and I didn't put the mouth hole where my mouth is and you just get a whole side of a face covered <laughs> in liquid. Happens at least a couple times a week. That's what James said. It always reminds me of the airplane movie where he's like, uh, and that's where my drinking problem started. <laughs> Every time I'm like, well, I've had a drinking problem for a while now. And there's two different kinds of those. <laughs> Wait, what? What are two? What are the two kinds? Alcoholism. You're right. Oh, wait, that's only one kind. Well, and uh, not being able to get it in your mouth according to airplanes is a drinking problem. <laughs> what if your drinking problem is you can only get drunk and you want to, but via your anus? You know, I, I feel like that's the opposite of a problem. Like, you know, that's like uh, the problem. Like so a lot of uh, men, especially as they get older, uh, they have a problem getting a boner. I have the operation, the, the operation, the opposite of the problem. I have trouble getting it away. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa, dude, we're chilling. Calm down. Holster that weapon, partner. Oh. <laughs> um. Hold on, I want to go back to Deja Vu real quick. I feel like we just went on a tangent. Uh, you DJ Deja Vu, and now you uh, are finishing a film right now. Yeah. I want to talk about that, too. Absolutely. This is a, your first feature film. Yep. How? Didn't even know it was going to be a feature. <laughs> How did it start? 
Well, you guys were writing it back in 2013. Yeah, we we started shooting actually last October 2013, um, and originally. Um, Robert Rodriguez had, uh, he was trying to promote for his El Rey channel. And uh, he was, so he was taking a lot of submissions uh, for uh, short films. He, he didn't want a, a trailer, he wanted a, a completed works, like a short film, something along those lines, a feature. Um, because he's trying to get um, independent filmmakers, just like he was at one point, making uh, El Mariachi a chance to be on his network and continue the tradition. Um, and that was when we took the like 15 page script that was called. Um, Hard packing dude with the character Stone, um, and we're like, I, I looked at all the scripts, uh, and I was like, this one is the most I feel we can make into something that Robert Rodriguez would be proud of. Um, and then from there, it quickly uh, was not hard packing dude because that title was not working for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't gonna, I'm and not neither judging. was the character named Stone. <laughs> the first thing I did was like Joe. We need to have the title be the main character of the thing. Just one word to the point. And it kept coming back to Ghost. And the reason why Ghost stuck was for uh, Mel Gibson, the Patriot movie with Mel Gibson. Um, when, because he went and just killed all these, uh, you know, redcoats or whatever. And uh, all when all the bad guys who survived would describe him, they'd be, they'd be like, well, how many people was it? And he's like, one three, five, I don't know. He was like some kind of ghost coming in and out and he got kind of known as this ghost. And that's what I felt about this character as he, in the movie, his name is never mentioned. Um, but he kind of becomes this ghost. Spoilers. Who comes into town and fixes things. He's the, you know, the hero that the world never expect. Kind of like Riddick in Pitch Black and Chronicles of Riddick where in a world with really evil people, it takes a bad guy to take them down. You know <laughs> what I mean? You can't, it, like heroes just don't cut it in certain worlds. In this world, it needed a true anti-hero that will come in and do what's necessary. And in this movie, it's necessary to kill all the people who are responsible for his brother's death. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out, I don't want to, you know, there's not a finalized number, but there's a lot of people that are... Oh yeah, he. Uh, I mean, he kills people, a bunch of people, within the the very beginning of the movie. So he rolls into town and starts killing people. It's it's literally like a slice of life in this city with ghosts coming in and fucking shit up every scene. So you see a little bit of these people doing their thing, and ghosts comes in, and you get to see how that works and back and forth. And you, you like know. the antihero story? Yeah, I've always thought it was way more fascinating the hero story because. In my opinion, obviously everybody's got theirs, but uh, in the real world, this is, is going to be my Mel Gibson moment. No, like in the real world, I feel like antiheroes are the ones that make a difference because uh, people that are quote unquote good, too good, or like your fucking Supermans and your goody two shoe people aren't willing to do what it really takes to, to make shit happen. Um, like, for instance, if you notice that most heroes never kill the bad guy. And they go to jail, if they do, and, they, and, and then they always escape, they always come back, and they do it again. And what I like about the anti-hero in real life, 
you got to kill the bad guy. You know what I mean? And then he won't come back anymore. And and not everybody can make that decision. And, and that's why uh, most of the people that make those decisions are like military or judges and stuff like that. Because it takes the right kind of people to make those decisions. But in the harsh reality of life and, you know, I'll say it uh, for my experiences overseas, I was a Marine in combat and you got to be willing to do what it takes to survive, man. And and a lot of people don't understand that. Um, case in point, if you saw American Sniper, beautiful movie, great acting, great story, true story, great performances by Bradley Cooper. But one of the first things he does when he's overseas, and this is a true story, he like he kills a kid or like a wife or a woman. You know what I mean? And it, it fucked with him. And that's because he's a good guy. A good people or person gets fucked over by it. But the person who does what it takes to make it done will make that decision. And most people wouldn't do that. And that's why they shouldn't be over there. Um, but in killing that person, he saved his entire team's life. You know what I mean? And you yeah in real life uh but it's a learned skill you this is a this true. is a situation in which you're constantly put into so you're building the knowledge the know-how the experience mm-hmm. of being in that situation and it's it sounds like it's tough to take a little you know the criticisms that people sometimes put out there uh you know for or against either way oh, but yeah. without actually having any knowledge of the experience it's a classic case of not even just military but most things everybody wants to um criticize and talk shit about something they have no understanding of Mm -hmm. absolutely none um yeah there's there's so many it's it's isn't that something we kind of like about this whole place keeps it more interesting (laughs) that's for sure (laughs) You on your toes. You know <laughs> I thought I mean? we had some covered, but uh, yeah, it's <laughs> still figuring shit out. <laughs> you, you can't be liked by everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you can't please everybody, no matter how hard you try. Um, I do try too. Oh, I try. I, feel, I try all the time. Uh, I was in a big conversation today uh, with a good friend of mine. Um, it's it's a story I go back. A, 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 you know, a situation I always think about. But it's like the a lot of people think that right and wrong are black and white and right. and it's in reality it's a giant gray area um an example i used today when in this conversation was um you know uh with the whole isis thing and the taliban or whatever um do you think they think they're the bad guy not at all do you think that their friends and family think they're the bad guy? Uh, no, I just think that they're, they don't, because they're not always doing action. So a lot of them are just protesters. They're mm-hmm. ISIS protesters. They're not shooting down people all the mm-hmm. time. Like it's a, and propaganda. Yeah. Propaganda convinces you to think that what you're fighting for is right. And ultimately, um, would somebody fight for something if they didn't think it was right? No. You know what I mean? It, and, and that's the thing is, and that's why. It's a gray area because uh, just like a battle that I was explaining to my friend today, uh, the battle that I have inside, I've always wondered throughout my life is if I'm the hero or the villain of my story. You know what I mean? Because sometimes I'll do different things that other people would think were wrong and make me a bad guy. But overall, I always have good intentions and I have good morals. Like I would never... You know what I mean? I would never harm somebody. I always try to do on to others uh, that I would do or that want done to me. You know what I mean? 
Dude, I remember when we first started a class together at, at uh, LA Film School. We um, we are college uh, buddies from LA Film School. Shout out uh, LA Film School. And wow. uh, the first person I talked to was Aaron Toff because I saw his U.S. Marine Corps uh, tattoo. I was like, oh, good. It's fellow military. We know each other. Save me. I was scared. actually in the line at orientation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that was funny. You had your helmet, your, your uh, biker jacket yeah, on. <laughs> was I was cool. uh, riding the bike. But isn't that interesting, though, that just having that sense of community and camaraderie for the rest of your life with these people, you know, because they had to endure such an experience. It's, yeah, it's like this understanding or knowledge of something that's Mm -hmm. bigger than yourself. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of military people out there that will disagree with me. Um, (laughs) But it's like when 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 you're in the military, you know what I mean? Especially like I was Marine, so it's like uh, there's always animosity between the, the, the branches and hate, unnecessary hate, really. Um, because, I mean, shit, I'm more friends with other branches now than I am with Marines. I hardly know. I hardly run into a Marine nowadays. <laughs> I, I, I got Air Force friends, Navy friends, you know what I mean? And uh was it army army friends I don't have any coast guard friends not, they don't exist <laughs> maybe that animosity is still there go guard the beach buddy have fun I'll let you know if a pirate shows up <laughs> sorry I don't think I can lose that part of my animosity um well, uh, when I my decision to join the air force was built into my father being in the navy and goes alright Lennon you can join any branch except for the army. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Coast Guard. No, I, think, I don't think they thought I was going to make it even through Air Force Basic. I don't think, like, my mom, no, she said that to me. She goes, yeah, Landon, we thought you were going to come home like two weeks in. <laughs> Nobody thought I was going to make it through boot camp. No one thought I would make it four years. No one thought I was going to see 18, fucking 21, 25, and I'm still convinced 27 is my year. White lighter in the pocket. It's going to happen. I'm not even hardly a musician, but somehow they're going to come get me anyway. <laughs> if I survive this year, I'm living forever. <laughs> I want to stop. <laughs> Brilliant, dude. Um, sorry, this dog is attacking me right now. Jackson, you just full of love. Aww. Lay down. Lay down. You're messing up the mic. What are you working on now? Um, I'm working up finishing Ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, we're 99%, 97 uh, finished shooting. We're mm-hmm. just doing. I mean, principal photography is pretty much done. We're just doing uh, pickups and inserts and uh, location you have this, stuff. You have that. Uh, you're writing Tank as well, right? Joe wrote Tank. Oh. Um, I have just been always the one. Um, this may be wrong, but what I've noticed in a lot of TV shows and stuff like that where they, they cast a certain actor, like sometimes they'll get writer credits or producer credits or whatever because it, they were along the whole way kind of creating and molding that. It's a theory. It could be full of shit. Um, however, that's kind of how it's been with Tank um, because since Joe came up with the script, I've been the one to be the main character. So being so and being a writing partner of his, he's sent me the script 
over the last couple of years. And I've gone through and revised lines and given advice. I mean, I never said it needed to be whatever, but I've I've been along the way helping um, in an actor kind of way because um, he's definitely the writer of it. Um, and he's going to be directing it. It'll be cool to see him, uh, you know, really just have full control. Um, I, I am excited to be able to just sit back and act because that seems to rarely happen nowadays. That seems like a big jump. That's a progress, I think, no? Like being able to get that opportunity to do that? To act? Purely that? Oh, yeah. No, it's it's something I, I've got to do twice recently that was really fun and worked out um one for one of our colleagues project holly weird where i got to sit back and just be the actor not worry about the camera angles and the lighting and all that stuff just run around and just have fun and get weird which allows it goes both ways um it allows me to focus just on my shit and really get into the character however the stuff that I've directed and acted in, I've been so close to the project and attached to it um, that like, I don't need to get into the character because as the director, I'm in the head. And so it's like, it doesn't work for everybody. It's mm-hmm. kind of like rubbing your belly and tapping your head at the same time. Um, but I've been directing and acting at the same time pretty much my entire life. Like I used to do movies in high school where I would literally, because I didn't understand coverage and all that stuff, uh, but I would be running around and then I'd, I'd freeze and I'd be like, all right, move the camera over there. And now go. And I'd start moving it again and I edit it all and it would all work out. Now I know about coverage and all that good stuff. And I have, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I shot list sometimes and stuff like that. So you think the school helped? Yes. Um, for example, it, LA Film School, a lot of people left with nothing. And in my opinion, that's because they chose to. Um, you can with LA Film School, you can either choose to focus on one part and focus on that. And if you are only capable of learning one thing at a time, that's probably for you. Um, I felt if you wanted to get the most of the experience, and that's what I did, to focus on all of it. Like I came out of that school learning how to edit completely, uh, do After Effects. I learned uh, how to. I learned how every single light worked. I did tons of gaffing. I learned cinematography. I learned shots. Like I learned so much. I've had so many of my fellow students from uh, LA Film School. Like as I'm sitting there doing all this stuff, directing, editing, cinematography, all at the same time, where they're like, "I am ashamed that you have the same education as I do," because it's like I literally. I mean, it did help that I went to kind of a film school and acting school before, so I already had a warm and fuzzy. Um, but I just... I, I always felt like I think that whole school teaches you to be a workhorse. Mm-hmm. I was ready to get on as a PA right out of mm-hmm. the school, like on big fucking movies and stuff that led me to get you know to Australia this past year. And that was in less than a year and a half after graduating. That's phenomenal. I mean... That's intense, you know, to think. And it, I, I didn't, I felt like Icarus for a moment. I didn't want to fly too close to the sun. So it what? scared me to take on these projects that were that big, you know, and try to pull back. But yeah. when, and, then, and we are part of like the 1% from that school that actually does something with their fucking degree. Like, I don't know how many people that I went, we both went to school with that were colleagues of us, ours that moved back home, never touched the camera again, never made a movie. And they're just working a nine to five with a film degree. What up? How does that make you feel? I feel like a psychiatrist. I hate that. Don't answer that question. Moving on. <laughs> I mean, in the nicest way possible, I feel bad for whoever paid for their education. 
Um, cause I feel like they're wasting it. Like why, why spend all that money and take all that time to get a degree and go work at McDonald's? Hey, what was the movie where you guys, were you part of it? Were you guys shot in the bathroom? Did you help them? Shot in the bathroom. What happened in this movie without, I guess, spoiling it. Um, Oh, in the bathroom with the old black lights and shit. Yeah. Yeah, I was a cinematographer. That was my idea. Where's that movie? <laughs> when you find out, let me know. Oh. It's one of the, I'm sure this happens with a lot of filmmakers out there. Um, it's one of the many projects that I've never seen. Yes. I don't know how many acting projects that I was a part of that I loved. I've never seen. Actually, both cinematography projects that I did in film school never saw the light of day. I've never seen the film. Either of them. Um, in fact, there's only two theses that I, I remember seeing ghost wire by Kyle Culver. Saw it multiple times. I liked it. And play by this guy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you acted and there, see, I gave you an opportunity to just act, right? No, it was great. No, I didn't make you find uh, suspenders, 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 suspenders. (laughs) (laughs) Was that a bar? It's a bar, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that bar. Suspenders, suspenders, suspenders. It was but fun yeah, um, I yeah, I hope you had a good time. That was a, oh, that was a blast. That was a blast, and I loved that cool. movie. It was a fun character to play. I loved the vignettes and the jumping around from, you know, one this magical adventure to another. It was it was like a comedy short film version of Cloud Atlas. <laughs> where it gets gives all the actors a chance to play all these wonderful characters in one movie and somehow make it set make sense. Um, that's what I loved most about it. It was right after I watched that movie, which people that hate on that movie, I don't know, get a brain or something. It's, it's, it's a beautiful movie. Oh, the, the only things that, uh, the only things I've heard, bad things I've heard about Cloud Atlas is negative shit that they're just ignorant and they're not talking right. Because uh, with truth be honest, the, people, the bad things I've heard is that it was a gay movie about nothing but gay things. Which and one? Cloud Atlas. Uh, there's some gay stuff, but there is one story that was gay and it was beautiful. Oh, that, that, so- that, that, the, the whole movie, the cloud Atlas thing, but you can't for somebody to say the whole movie suck. Cause that, that's, that is so ignorant. That's so dumb. It's such no, a beautiful it was, movie. It was so cool. And the, seeing all those worlds, like every, like the art direction in that film blows oh my God. mind. All of these. Oh God. I want to shoot anamorphic so, so bad beautiful. because of it. So yeah. beautiful. And Tom Hanks blew my mind throughout the whole goddamn thing. <laughs> like that part where he's the, the writer that gets the bad critic and he just <laughs> fucking throws him down the thing. Like, uh, I love that it scene. It tore me up. I spoilers, spoilers. Uh, no, it tore me up finding out who he was at the end. You know what I mean? Like, Oh my God. God, the mm-hmm. thing, you know, uh, it's like intense. Sit. Jackson, lay down. Lay down. Sit. Lay down, bitch. <laughs> Sit. Jackson, Sit. lay down, good boy. Good boy. Good boy. Does he not like uh, blankets? He likes hard floor. It's probably cold. That's why. It just depends on his mood. Okay. Sometimes he likes the soft. Sometimes hard. <laughs> I don't think that's anybody. I think that's anybody. That's why he's man's best friend. Exactly. <laughs> I think he's anybody's best friend. Jackson is. Oh yeah, he's like everybody. Um. Oh, cool. No, I just I want I want to see some of those movies. Like I I still want to see Brendan uh, Brendan Bonnet's movie. Um, 
I worked on that. I, he didn't get any sound. He needs to turn that into like a silent film. It's so good. Oh God, not getting sound. I know that story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you, so we're going to, we're going to do sound. I'm going to help you with a uh, ghost for sound. Oh yeah. I'm and, looking forward to that step. I've actually been minimalizing my sound design because I know we're just going to recreate it all better anyway. Are there other projects that you wish you had better sound in that would have done better had the sound been better? All of my projects. All of them. The, the thing that I've been lacking the most. It's not story. It's not originality. It's not cinematography. It's not acting. Like I feel like all of the projects since film school have been pretty solid. The biggest thing, our biggest complaint, and the thing that keeps a lot of people from watching has been our sound. Um, and that's just because it's, we're on the low budget thing and sound is one of the few positions because of how important they are, don't let me take it from you, who they just will not, not get paid. Right, right. It doesn't matter how much they care about the project. They're just like, I can get tons of money out there so I'm gonna do a bunch of shit that I don't care about because I get paid instead of something I care about that might take me somewhere. Because they know nobody wants to do production sound nobody wants to do yeah and of all the hats i threw on to get shit done um i don't think i can be doing sound as well as it. <laughs> so we found ways to make it work and it's it's gone by but it's definitely not perfect sound hence why we're going to be fixing the sound for uh you know um ghost but but yeah. sound people actually inspired me to start charging like a, a living wage <laughs> for my work. And it's hard to decipher yeah. what, how much my work is worth. And I feel weird sometimes like discussing it. And I'm like, God, I should have got, I wish there was a little bit more business mm. understanding of like, how much am I supposed to charge for this shit? Cause I'm doing a lot of work. Well shit. I'm the same way. It's like, uh, I don't ever. And like literally ever, ever submit to free acting work anymore. Ever. I've been doing it for a good amount of time right now. I've been getting paid for a good amount of time right now. And really, I don't have the time with all my other stuff to just do a, a free project. Um, however, <laughs> any one of my friends, they could they could call me in the middle of the night and say, I got some an acting role for you. Like, it's perfect. Be here tonight. And I will get out of bed and run over there all day. And that's the way I feel with sound. It's like everybody out there, in my opinion who's good at their job, deserves to be paid. And you should be, and, and you can get paid work out there. However, if it's your friend or it's a project you believed in, you know what I mean, that, that's how shit works. Like you, you, it's all about favors. You know what I mean? That, like I never even question doing something for you because you're always right there back for me. You know what I mean? Every, uh, you know, like I've acted in a bunch of your shit. You've acted in, in pretty much all of my shit. You know what I mean? Like we've, we've worked on, we've We're half on, of each other's resumes. Exactly. No, literally. <laughs> What's, it's like, uh, you know, like you got rock bottom artists and I got $2 fish. You're a $2 fish and I'm a rock bottom artist. What, what? Like, I mean, that's just how it works. And that, and, and the, shout look, out to all your production companies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put that sound in when they do. <laughs> What's like the, it's so easy in this day and age, in my opinion, um, to, get jealous of people who are getting more jobs than you or bigger jobs in your opinion or yada, yada, yada. It's so easy to, uh, especially as an actor and a lot of other stuff to, uh, hate everybody cause they're all your competition. When you roll into a, a, an audition and people look like you and you're like, Oh shit, like we're all in competition for this. 
And I find myself doing it too. I, I know plenty of my friends that have gotten some big things and I'm all, I get kind of jealous. Mm -hmm. But then I start thinking like, I try to turn that away. It's like, uh, I try to like, look, if somebody's successful, that's great. I am happy for them. And now I want to work with them more. So it's like the way I look at it, you can sit there and try to pull yourself up to the top or you can all rise together. Well, it's not for me. Well, if, if it used to be jealousy for me, sure. When in the beginning, but as I go out, I, I don't know. As I, when you turn 30, <laughs> the 30 um, talk. yeah, the 30 talk, I don't know. I just started using that as just inspiration for me to find a way to work with them. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like it, I'm just excited. Ooh, well, they know how to do something better than me. Let's see what we can write. Let's see what we can, you know, how can I fit them into my worlds that mm -hmm. I'm building right now? Like Spider by the Moonshine is constantly being written. This is like five years now. We've been oh, working yeah. on this stupid thing. Oh, yeah. It's like the, I mean, hell, uh, look at, uh, I mean, shit, everybody that, uh, that I, I've had in all my projects are super, super talented actors for the most part. Yeah. Like, like I, I don't know one, um, for the most part, one actor that they all deserve to be made, to make it and they will. And I feel like together we can, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I don't want, you know what I mean? Like at the very least, if, if like, if, for instance, me, uh, if I were to Eminem and make it, I will bring <laughs> D12 with me. You know what I mean? Like He did, didn't he? He did. Yeah. He fucking lived up to what he said he was going to do. He brought his homies with him. And and that's what it's like. Never forget the people that helped you out along the way. I don't know the whole story if they, you know what I mean? I'm just assuming. But it's like, that's, that's a true motherfucker who... Right. Gets the fame, but doesn't forget who his friends are. And that's how I am. It's like if, I, if I'm the one of us talented people that make it first, you bet your ass at bringing all you with, you, all you with me. Um, and that's the reason why I don't want to just act. I want, I, I want to write and direct because I want to be able to, hell, I would love to act for all my favorite directors and I plan on it. Um, but I also plan on making big movies my whole life and getting actors involved in that. Yeah, why? What is it? Just like an insecurity of like, well, I didn't have any problem telling people. I was like, I work at Lockheed Martin, and I'm a quality assurance specialist. What's well, like, uh, just like the military towns. This is a very actor town, and honestly, I've been meeting a lot of girls lately who refuse to ever date an actor. Um, and it's because they're all over the place and they got a bad reputation, just like in military towns. Um, but like <laughs> if you, uh, you guys are the bad boys, right? Of LA. <laughs> uh, but if you go back home, like for instance, I've been talking to this girl from Seattle and, uh, you know, like her and all her friends think that like, I'm like famous or something. Cause I've been in a couple of things and I've done a lot of stuff and make stuff. And I'm like, Oh, it's, and she's like, she's like, oh, I don't know, they're big this thing. I'm like, no, I'm really like, I may be a big fish in like a small pond, but like over here, it's a big ass ocean. It's like uh, everybody's been in something, and I'm on the bottom of the totem pole. Um, so a it's being like in something. So yeah, it's like I think that uh, no people don't unless they feel like a real successful actor that's been in big budget shit. No one wants to drop that card because somebody is either really has been what in something card? better than you. Specify? The actor card. Oh, no one wants to say, oh well, I'm an actor because that person might come back at you being an actor too and be more successful or one up you or whatever. So I think it's something that people kind of just you don't want you don't want to admit it because everybody's an actor. You know I, what I mean? I went to a hockey game 
and uh, we had really nice seats. And uh, one of uh, Demi, uh, one of my uh, fiancés. I don't like using his name. I feel bad. I'm sure you appreciate it. Yeah. Dimitri, I love you. But I'm just, I don't know if I'm allowed to use it. Okay, we'll come back in this edit. Um, Mitri. Mitri. (laughs) Mitya. (laughs) That's what Natalia calls him. Mitya. Mitya. Uh, um, I told a friend of his wife, I said, uh, oh, I'm a comedian. And she looks at me and she goes, uh, how much is that pulling in? <laughs> Whoa. Yep. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that, and that's to go back to the stereotype, like uh, what people, you know, like a lot of it's real common for actors around here to be broke, never have money and trying to find somebody to, for financial support. So that's another reason why um, a lot of girls don't date. um or a lot of people don't want to say actors because ever it's got a bad reputation. Right. Hell, my best friend Chad uh, was saying the other day, um, like he's talking about when he's tindering, and uh, the the no goes or the uh, deal breakers, and he says, artist deal breaker, <gasps> deal breaker, deal, like we just were... in general, like blank statement, all artists deal breaker. And there's a lot of people out there that feel it because, and I can kind of see it because they're not the think outside the box, like uh, going for. A, you know, like going for a, like a career or like something that they care about, like trying to pursue their dream. Only people that understand people who are pursuing their dreams are the people who are pursuing their dreams. And it's like uh, most people see something as an actor or a musician or an athlete as this unobtainable or unobtainable uh, thing. And um, in many ways it is, but it's like, you know, not to sound corny, but in a lot of ways you can put anything you might, uh, anything uh, you put your mind to. And it's like, for instance, like, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's like, uh, I saw a, a meme or whatever, or something online uh, about Morgan Freeman and how he, uh, he wasn't in a, uh, a feature film until he was like in his forties or something like that. And he didn't get his big role until he was like in his fifties. And now look at him now. He's huge. He's in everything. He's got his science shows where he's got that awesome voice. He narrates things. He's a huge actor. So in my opinion, like, like a lot of people ask me, when are you coming home to Seattle? And I say never. And if I do, it's cause I failed. But in all reality is, I don't know. I, I don't know when I'm going to make it. It could be tomorrow. It could be a year from now. It might be 30 years from now. It's going to be whenever the stars align and it's going to happen. But I will be here. It, even if I beat Morgan Freeman, I don't get into my my first role until I'm 65. <laughs> if 65 me is this, the, the person that's going to finally shine, that'll be the happiest I'll ever be in my life because I'm finally doing what I love. And I won't stop until I get it. And I feel like the ones that really want it and don't ever take no for an answer and just weather the storm are the ones that make it. And I don't know that from personal experience because I'm not famous yet, uh, but I believe it deep down inside me and I, I believe it enough that I won't stop and I always preach to other people. Um, of course it's years of trading. And where's the story then? Like, yeah, where, like, yeah of course you have to. I want this shit handed to me. Ugh, that's like, yeah. you, okay, you just want a billion dollars and do whatever you want with it. What are you going to do with it? 
I'm gonna be an asshole. Oh yeah, dude. If, if somebody try, like, even right now, it's like a, you make your mistakes in the early days when it's not that much money, or at all. It's like shit. If somebody came up to me tomorrow and offered me a million dollar budget for something, I'd be like, well, let's can we, just, can we start at two hundred thousand? I'll give you a damn good movie. <laughs> I'll give you a really good one. I mean, shit. I've made Ghost for under a thousand, and it's a full length feature. Um, and really? Oh yeah. Like I mean, the, the of course I. I don't know if everybody, it, most people admit this, like if you were to factor in me actually paying everybody that put their blood, sweat and tears into this and like if I were to pay for lights and all this other stuff, like it would have been a budget. Yeah. Um, but pulling favors, having friends, people that work hard, people wearing multiple hats, having a lot of our own equipment, being improvised, being able to create shit out of nothing. Hell, our, uh, our construction light out here that worked beautifully, like the most epic lighting for the final fight scene ever. And it was literally a hal- with a halogen, a double halogen light with a black wrap around it. <laughs> Two snoots. Independent filmmaking. What's up, baby? <laughs> um, but it's like, like reality and that, that's what I want to bring back to the the film world is that you don't need a million dollars to make a good movie. Um, you need a good story, a good idea and some, a solid crew and acting and cast, you know what I mean? And then, then literally you don't like, it's far more interesting nine times out of 10. If you, uh, cut away from something that you could do a bunch of special, like, like if you're ripping somebody's guts open, You know what I mean? Like nowadays we're so used to seeing it, seeing it. But in the old days, you didn't see it. You would, it would go to rip open the, the, the the stomach and they cut up to either the victim's face where you see the (laughs) the pain in his eyes and you hear nothing but sound design. And that to me is more powerful. First of all, and terrifying, terrifying (laughs) because you can cover your eyes, but you can't not hear that sound. And you know what that sound is doing? It's stimulating your mind and your fucking imagination, which is way more disgusting. <laughs> and guess what? It costs like no money. <laughs> but you still have to have a, a, a solid like uh, story to go through. You know, you have to have, to have this character that we want to see. You don't have a solid story, then you better go back to ground one. Make it, you know, start Cal with Gil 101. Structure, 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 Ooh. structure. Good idea. Execution. How many scenes have been rewritten? Of Ghost? Uh-huh. Oh, God. Um, though there was like a million rewrites of the script itself, not to mention all of the scenes that got changed just because we, you know... Just kind of, you know, I let the actors kind of, uh, I I trust my actors to um, embody the roles. So a lot of them bring me some great shit that I never would have thought of. And uh, me as a director, I'm open to um, the finished product not necessarily being what I thought it would be. And nine times out of ten, it could become something better because I allowed my actors the opportunity to really just immerse themselves and get creative and give me, and they give me nothing but success and gold. Um, and, uh, so no, so those scenes changed like that. And there was a bunch of recastings, character, other characters that got recasted, characters being cut, scenes that got caught, plot points that changed. <laughs> Hell, like even in the editing phase, I'm coming up with, uh, scenes that won't make it in the movie, not even the deleted scenes because it doesn't make sense anymore. And I mean, to back up a lot, we didn't mention this earlier, um, but it was going to be a short film. 
Then it was going to be a web series for a long time, and now it's a feature. So there's been a lot of changes, and the the story that is literally the last draft that was written is completely different than what was shot. And the things that I'm doing with editing is going to be com- this story is written three times. <laughs> it's script, the way you shoot it, and editing. And if you're a director that that there's a lot of them that do this, but I everybody's got their style. I don't fall in love with the way I wanted the movie to be. I let it be the organic being that it is and let it evolve to what it was meant to be. And I'm telling you in my experience, which isn't as much as a lot of famous directors out there, um, but you get gold, man, you get gold. You know what I mean? Like you get these moments, these moments that you never would have gotten. I, I learned it in my first movie I ever did with my, you know, good partner for many years now. Um, Movie partner, who? Uh, Joe. Uh, my Joe who? Joe Boer. Uh, sorry, you don't know them. Uh, you know him. Joe Boer, uh, my roommate, and we've been making movies together for, God, like five years now. And um, the first thing I ever casted him in, which is after he casted me in uh, something, so See, it's a repeat, always it always goes back. <laughs> um, and he, I went above and beyond for him, and he tried to go above and beyond for me. And like, I envision his character to be my character's right-hand man, a level-headed guy that kind of just always thinks about uh, the other end of things. And my character was going to be the more sporadic one. Um, But being Joe and funny and outrageous and crazy, um, he kept going just huge with all of his, um, his, with his emotions and the things he says and he's going off book and stuff like that. And I kept being like, you know, let's, let's, let's let the script be funny. You know, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do that. Cause it's the first, first, most directors do that. And that's kind of what I was doing. Um, and partly cause he wasn't doing it. Um, I just was like, you know, he's laughing. He's making me laugh. I was like, I'm just going to let him go crazy and do his thing. Best decision I ever made because he became this, his character became this character that, that was, I could never have written like it's, it's this neurotic, freaky, crazy guy that's saying weird shit. And everybody's like that weird, weird friend that you have that no one knows why he's there, uh, but he gets stuck around. And it's like that wasn't the character I intended, but the character I got was way funnier, way better. And ultimately, um, we're going to reshoot it. Uh, uh, we have a feature that you actually were a part of writing um, based on the same script. And there was a point where he was going to move back to Oregon and I cannot think of anybody who could fill this new character's shoes. The original character, I could have gotten pretty much anybody to fill those shoes. But the character that he became is Joe. Like, I can't, there's nobody else that, in my opinion, that could do it. Just like no one else there could do as good a job as the major. So, like, detective. That's it. Watch That's it. my favorite. You know what I mean? And that was me knowing that you let Joe off his leash and let him go freaking crazy and he'll just be funny. Because he knows what that character's archetype is and mm-hmm. he's, he's going to tell you no structure so well that he puts it into his yeah. acting. He's like, to uh, to him, he probably feels like he's just doing what, th- this is so silly, this is easy. Of course it's supposed to be this oh, yeah. way. But to us, we're like, that's brilliant, dude. When it's, and it, he, he, he does, especially with his comedy, um, he really... Uh, puts his personality into it and he's mm-hmm. just you know he's he's a funny weird guy that just like it just he just wants to make people laugh and have a good time and he, he loves this shit and you can you can tell that go lay down jackson you could tell that he loves it and uh that's what i'm all about like mm-hmm. i get this all I've, I've talked to a lot of people because a lot of people think say i look like jimmy fallon um i get i've been getting it for years it's a smile i guess lay down 
but <laughs> a lot of people say that uh, that Jimmy Fallon is terrible uh, because he's always uh, cracking up in the, in, the, in the skits and stuff like that, and that makes him bad, and he doesn't la la la. Well, they're stupid um, because. <laughs> I think that most people love Jimmy Fallon because he couldn't ever not laugh in the scenes. <laughs> because how much fun was he having? You know what I mean? It's like, I like watching movies and going to musicians and seeing all these people perform that are having fun. If you're fucking miserable out there, why do I waste my money? Because it's a job. Yeah. It is a job. It's, it's, like, it's something you have to do day in and day out and then tell yourself, am I nailing it? Am I doing it right? But it's like, uh, they, they, they say... You know, if you do something you love, then you don't work a day in your life. And it's like, uh, if you wanted a job that you're miserable at, you could have worked at Home Depot. You know what I mean? But it's like, uh, you strived and worked hard to get to where you're at, and you made it. Love it. Enjoy it. Have fun. You know what I mean? Don't, oh, it's just a job now. No, hell no. If you did that, then you're washed up. Knock it off. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, have fun. Like, I, I know for a fact, like... I know this is what I want to do for the rest of my life because nothing makes me happier. Like I can get by at a job. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not picky. I can clean toilets. I can do whatever. I'm hardworking. I'm not going to. But this is the thing that makes me happier than anything. Being creative, working with my friends. I love being on set. I love the energy of it, the, the, you know, the, the happiness, the stress, the bullshit, the craziness. You know what I mean? And, uh, it's the coolest. Yeah, it reminds me of the chaos of the military a lot of times. Dude, and the chain of command and uh-huh. how like nothing passes that second AD. It better be good enough to, you know what I mean? To oh, go yeah. up to Kurt. <laughs> yeah. You know, in some ways, in a weird way, and it's, it's it reminds me of combat sometimes uh, because you have to, um, there's just so much chaos and everybody's just running around like a chicken with their head cut off. And <laughs> but it's everybody's like, doing their job. Exactly. But in those moments where everybody's freaking out and screaming, that's when shit slows down for me and I'm at the calm point. And that's why I like, well, one of the many reasons why I love being on set, it's like I find peace in the craziness and I'm having fun and it's all for a purpose. You know what I mean? And it's like work hard, play hard like crazy. You know what I mean? Like you're getting... Shit, Silver Lake Detective, I didn't make, when I were making, it was a, a web series that I did, um, 17 episodes on YouTube, Silver Lake Detective. So good. It's the, the solves, uh, his detective that solves the case before it's cool. Um, <laughs> but that was the project that I did right out of film school, and uh, that was eight months of my life. Eight months that I wasn't making money, I wasn't working, I was literally broke, you know, only getting money from the military, and... Um, it's not that I wasn't working. I literally would shoot all night from midnight till like five in the morning. I would go home. We'd watch dailies. I'd sleep for a couple hours. I'd wake up, start editing, start writing the next episode script. I'd shoot that night. And that was seven months of my life. And you know what? I was so exhausted, so tired all the time, but I loved every fucking minute of it. And I was broke as shit. <laughs> now on the reverse, I spent the next 10 months working at the strip club as a DJ. (laughs) I worked actually technically less than Mm -hmm. I did on uh, Silver Lake Detective. I was making stupid amounts of money. But? I was fucking miserable. (laughs) Miserable. Miserable. Because like. No matter what the job is, it's not what you want to be doing. It's not. 
I can get by. I can make money. I'm not. I'm not gonna be one of those actors and filmmakers who's trying to find a honey to pay for shit. His shit. You know what I mean? Like I pay for my own shit. I I put a roof over my head. I've done it since I was 18 years old. You know what I mean? I've been doing it for almost 10 years now by myself. You know what I mean? I get help every now and then. Uh, sometimes my dad will hook it up. Uh, <laughs> Shout out, Dad. Yeah, my, da- my dad's <laughs> been very supportive of me, and so is my mother. Oh, they, um, my parents have been really cool to me, too. Like, they're like, I mean, mom always, they're like, hey, yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I mean, I kind of, yeah, they're kind of like those parents, like the cool parents. Like, mm. <laughs> well, I know, I know that my mom and my dad or anybody that knows me knows that there's no fucking stopping me. Yeah. Like, like I, I'm going to do what I want, and that's the way it is. The best thing you can do is just support me right <laughs> right and i've made pretty good decisions in the last 10 years so i think that they're pretty much trusting that i'm motivated so i have i have one more question about that idea though behind that thought um do some veterans have um or do you feel that they have some sort of complex do you feel like there's a certain uh stigma to being a veteran and uh, like the better than everybody? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I would be very surprised if there's a veteran out there that has never thought he was better than civilians or doesn't think it a couple times a day. Um, I'm not saying that they're right, and I'm not saying that they're wrong. Uh, I'm just saying this is a very common thought, and it's because... You do have an idea of where it stems from? There, somebody told me once, or not somebody told me once, it's, it's a famous person who quoted it once, uh, but uh, common sense is not so common. Uh, and to go up further on that is uh, what seems like common sense to you isn't like to common sense to other people. And it's like uh, being in the military gives us a whole new box of common sense. The common sense that civilians don't have. Um once again, it's not common sense. It's just we learn certain things and you get aggravated aggravated by people that don't know what you know and didn't go through what you go through. And then it's like, you know, like you see all those uh, those Marine and military memes where it's like you see some like guy in a Kevlar and it's like with a smile and he's like uh, when college students say that they're stressed at college. Um, I went through combat and I was stressed in college. It's a different kind of stress. I'm not saying it's relatable. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying like, I don't know. That stress in college got me fucked up though. I could handle the Iraq shit comparatively. Like honestly, I felt college was so much more intense. The social aspect of it, everybody being sort of like not on the same page. Whereas in the military, we were all on the same base. We had one mission. Everybody had one job to complete Mm -hmm. that mission. Go. Or what is it? You know. Well, actually, well, and then they just dropped me off at college. I feel like a lot of uh, college students. Um, who went and got a, a bachelor's degree. Obviously, this isn't all the cases. A lot of people with degrees that go in the military become officers, the smart ones at least. Right. Um, but there's plenty of people that, that, that uh, went to school and chose that route who will go into combat and say it was much worse than school. And I think the reason why, at least to me and you, and this is a theory, I have lots of them, um, <laughs> that uh, the reason why uh, we thought it was more difficult was because like, 
after high school, you know what I mean? Like we didn't have to shit. I had to relearn how to do division and fucking multiplication, you know, before going to, uh, when I go to, I started at math, the bottom and made it to like almost the top, you know what I mean? Because I had to relearn it all. I I forgot everything and you weren't required. The only thing you were trying to learn is, you know, the, the, the fucking max range of your weapon you know, like what kind of rounds it what takes. What is the max range like, of an M16? I have no fucking idea. You dubbed that too. Oh, dude, I data dump everything. Uh, Andrew, one of the earlier episodes of this podcast had once I, he had forgotten the uh, his automata or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is that what you, how did you say it? Anyways, I don't know an automatomus. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, it's the 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 the, the school song and um, okay. And uh, I said I can't remember the Air Force song. I can I think I can remember the core or the the repeat of the chorus of it, but I can't oh, remember. Yeah. It. And he goes, "Oh, bad veteran." I'm like. I don't like, need yeah. any of that information anymore. I could do the instrumental for the Marine Corps hymn, but yeah, I don't remember the source of Tripoli. So I'm like, I, I couldn't remember it. I, yeah, I have no idea. There's some fun points to it. Yeah. Oh, I would never take the four years I had in the military back. And I mean, who I am today, I had a hell of a good time. I had just as many bad times. Um, in fact, uh, you would have talked to me a couple of different points of that I would have told you to never join the military and I hated it uh, but now looking back it made me who I am today and anybody who is looking for direction in life discipline or don't know what the fuck they're doing I highly recommend it um, it'll teach you all of those things you'll get to experience things you never would anyway do things that none of your friends would ever get to do and so is that what it does at it so is that what it does it puts sort of a chip on your shoulder yeah so maybe it- two Maybe two chips. I wish. <laughs> oh, I've always wanted butter bars. I would be a great butter lieutenant. Bars. I would have a good time being a lieutenant. <sighs> I just feel like. Uh... Oh no! Sorry. Yeah, butter bars. Yeah. Oh yeah, the the lieutenant. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Like I, I'm able to. I never ever bitch about working hard. I I'll work doubles and doubles day on day, and I work all night. A little bit of sleep. I will never fall asleep while driving. Never fall asleep while doing anything. Like all these things are all because of the military. You know what I mean? Like I like I've had a lot of people call me a machine. I've been called that so many times in my life. I've been told I'm not human because like I, my body. Obviously, scientists would beg to differ, but my body a lot of times does not require water. It does not require food or sleep. It recalls something that I've always referred to inside as uh, rock and roll. It's this weird energy I have inside that just keeps me fucking going no matter what. You're so fucking <laughs> rock and roll, dude. Because <laughs> it's like, most, I swear, anybody that knows me, they're like, they'll, like when I get up and going and I'm on set all day, like I won't sleep more than an hour or two. You won't see me drinking water. You won't see me eat all day until I calm myself down at the end of the day and eat. But I'll go, I can go days like this. I love that feeling though, right after shooting and you're done, no matter what all the bullshit was on set, all that, you know, for the 12, 16 hours you were there, Mm -hmm. once you guys rap and everybody's packing up, it's like, Hey, what's up, yeah, buddy? Yeah, let's go get drinks. Huh? So it's everybody's friends now, but you were just calling me a fucking asshole a minute ago. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> one of the beautiful things about the movie is like, uh, because everyone people see is the beautiful image at the end. They don't know the chaos that it took right. to, to make that <laughs> and how many people got screamed at and yelled at, how many times it got fucked up. And there's a big creative process to it that is almost as fun as watching the finished product. You know what I mean? Uh, and no behind the scenes will ever truly show the behind the scenes. No, uh, it's so relaxed. I'm like, hey, look at those yeah, yeah. chairs. Hey. I'd love to see the behind the scenes of me. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some in the past. I, uh, yeah, I get, you know, I do what it takes. 
But military helped, huh? Absolutely. I don't know if I would have the everything that I am right now without it. I wouldn't be. No, I wouldn't either. The only part of me that regrets the military Uh is the part of me that sees people that are like three or four years younger than me who are just as far as their act in their acting career as me or more ahead. So no, because it is a time in thing in that sense. I mean, I was acting and making movies in high school. I had, I was enlisted in the Marine Corps, but had been an actor for years. And I had one of my acting, um, mentors at the time, uh, a friend named mine named Brad Wilner come up to me when I was working at McDonald's. And, uh, I was like, uh, going off of the military. He's like, what the fuck? He's like, you're not a, you're not a killer. He's like, you're an actor. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing here? You know what I mean? And then I was like, why? Well, you know, I like, I could do both. You know, uh, <laughs> I mean, if the price is right. Yeah, you know what it is. Uh, so it's like, I have no doubt that if I wouldn't have gone in the military, I would um, have continued going into acting, and maybe I would have gotten a break sooner. Maybe I'd be da 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 da. But I wouldn't be able to do all the things I'm able to do. I wouldn't have, like, my work ethic wouldn't be the same. I maybe have, would have gone to jail at one point. You know what I mean? It's like, I. Because I, you need that wake up call. You need that shot. Absolutely. I was a fucking shithead. Right. I was a shithead and a half. You know what I mean? Were you really? Oh, absolutely. I had the biggest problem against authority. I did what the fuck want when I want it, which hasn't changed much. Uh, <laughs> but I don't have the problem with authority anymore. Right. I have a problem with, with people that don't know how to be an authoritative figure. Uh, authoritative figure. Um, but I won't ever say it to them. Right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I I don't ask questions. Anybody who uh, has been my boss before, like in any business after the military, I always ask questions then. Um, but I don't ask questions anymore, ever. Like, like you, it, like help me go move that couch. Okay, go grab this. Okay, on it. Yeah, perfect, excellent. Beautiful. I don't ask questions, and then people are like, you know, you can ask questions if you get lo-. like, no, it's not necessary. I don't. I feel guilty or something. I don't know. I feel bad. Like it's not supposed. Like asking questions kills precious time. Right. Um, which in the military. Precious time is people's lives, and in the movie industry, precious time is film or wasted money, and da 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 da. Like you're, you're millions of dollars by the second. Right. So it's like you got to be able to make those decisions, and it's like, well, that's uh, like uh, like that's like a, like a trauma situation or mm-hmm. or a, a casualty situation in which you go out there and it's within minutes that you have to be on scene Absolutely. to pick people up because a tourniquet could be the difference between life and death within a minute, within like yeah, uh, thirty seconds. In in the the last uh, you know five years that I've been really doing a lot of directing and stuff like that, I don't know how many times I'm like I'm like doing a million things at once, and I'll tell somebody to go do something, and they're just like, why? And oh. then so I stop to explain that to them, <laughs> and I tell the next person, they go, why? <laughs> and it's like. Because I fucking said so. I know that my mom used to say that, but it's true. It's like, I don't got time to explain it to every single person, but you're the people below me and it sounds bad. But it's like, if you're, and we, we you know, switch off. Like I, I let people put be the director too. I'll work for a director. I am, I am so good at working for a director. I will give you above and beyond. I'll, I'll, you say jump, I'll say how high. No shit, you say jump, I'll jump higher than you want in the first, but you don't have to fucking tell me because I know I'm going to go there. Um, go lay down. Uh, but it's like, uh, you, there's no time to ask why there isn't because that just wastes time. It's like, uh, I guarantee if it, not all the time, but, uh, 
especially in the movie industry and stuff like that. It's like if somebody's telling you to do something, it's it's for a good reason. Lay down. Stay. Sorry. Dogs, man. He wants they're attention. Like, yeah, they're like people, like little pee. people. Love me, please. Um, let me see where we're at right now. Like I said, Jackson, we're coexisting. We're coexisting. Um, <laughs> refresh me in memory. What was the last thing before the dog? Film, uh, on set. Uh, uh, not asking, saying not asking why. Questions. Oh, yeah, not, not saying why. Oh, yeah. Why? I hate that word. Why? I, I, I saw it on uh, at school. And that's the place you ask all the questions was at school and people were not asking. And when they would, there was good questions. But even when they would ask questions, I would still think in my head, like, why? How do you mm-hmm. not understand this concept? This is the mm-hmm. easiest thing. Like, There are three knobs on that dolly. How are you not getting it? Figure it out. Well, it, it's like these dumb things. Like I remember um, in film school uh, when we're doing uh, P2 right. and we're building the set. Um once again, me going above and beyond it for a director. Um, I actually hated the 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 movie we were recreating. I'm not gonna say what it was, um, <laughs> but uh, we were recreating it. Um, the Marissa Thilman, good yeah. good friend of mine, great girl. Um, she uh, she was the director, and we designed this beautiful set. And uh, the two things she really wanted, biggest of all, that made it not everything else, or three things. She wanted a staircase that led upstairs. She wanted Wayne's coating on the side of the wall, and she wanted uh, an arch. Oh, that sounds nice. And uh, the people from school, all the teachers from school, said she couldn't have those three things. So I grabbed a team and uh, went behind the teachers' backs, and I made everything so I could bring it to set and be like, ha, I told you we had time to do it. And I, I built, I made sure her staircase happened. I made, I went and uh, painted and made all this Wayne's coating ready. And I took a couple people and I built her the friggin' archway that he said wasn't possible. Um, and while I was building the archway, I kept like, I'm, I have the plans. I have it all going. I, I have all the answers. And every time I asked my team to do something, why, why? I finally be like, dude, like, do you and know how much time does that waste? Waste so much time. <laughs> I finally had to be like, yo. Do you know how to build this archway? No. Then just do what I say, <laughs> please. Because you're wasting. I have to explain to you, and then that opens up for this person to ask a question because he didn't quite hear the answer. And now, who you're? How much time we're we wasting? And then she doesn't get her archway. Do you want to not give her her archway? Because I want to give her a goddamn archway, <laughs> right? Because that's what I do for my director, above and beyond. You know what I mean? And that's what I appreciate people doing for my director or at me as a director. It's like just go above and beyond. Give him your shit. Doesn't go uphill. No, it's like the like when I act, I try to I always try to give the director this biggest most I want to give him exactly what he wants every time. I do anything he wants. Cuz that's the way I think it should be. It's like it's his show that time. It could be your show next time. But it's like he's the one with the vision. He's the one that is has the plan and obviously if he correct him if he's crossing the line right. on, on accident. But it's like Trust that he's got you. And if you don't trust him as a director, then why are you working for him? You know what I mean? Money? No kidding. True. <laughs> True. Maybe he's already proved yeah. himself for so long that True. it's like, ooh, just an honor to work on that set. Hey, how cool would that be? But then if you're that person that asks questions constantly, right. then you're going to get a bad <laughs> reputation. And a reputation is something that takes years to build and takes seconds to break. Seconds. Um. 
Never show somebody your ass. Oh. Never show somebody your ass. Like you never, I don't, I have so many people that like leave their jobs. They're like, I fucking hate this. Fuck you. This, that, that. I'm like, you never know when you're going to need those people or run into them. And he might be your boss at another place. Like always leave in a, on a good note. <gasps> we always in, leave on a good speaking note. Speaking of Las Vegas, Dimitri and I were there for a wedding. And it was amazing. But um, speaking we, of weddings, you weren't at Jared's. Yeah. <laughs> um, I missed you there. We were, where Jared? Oh, yeah. I know. I couldn't. Beautiful wedding. I Beautiful wanted wedding. to. I was, I was on that wedding. feature. It was my. F- oh, nice. Yeah. I was stuck in Calabasas. It would have been funny because uh, right before Jared's wedding, I shaved off my mustache and you and Edgar had mustaches. <laughs> it would nice. have been hilarious seeing because I saw him. I was like, "Yo, nice stash." It's like I went up to him. I was like, "When one mustache disappears, another one grows in." And it's funny because like right when I shaved my mustache, you and Edgar both started growing them. I was like, "Oh, guys, is it in now?" You gave us the cur- yeah. You t- you made the bad. I was like, "Well, if he did it for so long, it must be fine." It wouldn't be the first time. I got I got a whole bunch of people in fucking sixth grade to wear headgear to school. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, you did. Yeah. Oh, so you're like nothing beats that. Like, <laughs> well, it was like the uh, I I had braces for seven years, seven years, and uh, Jackson, uh, seven years, and um, I kept getting the fights, biting my braces off, and having to get them on, and I had headgear for God, like way more than I was supposed to, and I kept losing it. It cost like a thousand dollars each time, and I would never wear it. Da 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 da. And my mom told me she's like, if you fuck it up this, this time if you fuck it up again like I'm gonna stop spending all this money in your mouth and you're just gonna have fucked up teeth for the rest of your life she said it in a much nicer way um, but I was but like but did say fuck exactly so I was like fuck it I'm wearing it 24-7 so I did I showed up like and I wasn't a cool kid I mean I, I was friends with the cool kids and I was friends with the not cool kids I was kind of a chubbier nerdy dude that just like Dragon Ball Z and Crazy Bones. Um, What's Crazy Bones? I know Dragon Ball. It came after Pogs. It was like these uh, little plastic things that looked like things and you would flick them in other ones and knock them over and if you knocked them over you get to keep them like Pogs. And I, I dude, I own, I, I took everybody's Crazy Bones at lunch. <laughs> I was fucking so good did at them. Did they make it illegal in school? It's like, that, that is gambling here. No, they the, never did. That probably oh. would have been smart because I was stealing everybody's Crazy Bones. <laughs> Uh, but no, I decided fuck it. Enough's Crazy enough. Bones I was bully. Like, exactly. I'm gonna wear my headgear every single day, and everybody was like looking at me weird and like kind of like acting weird around me. Keep going. I'm sorry. Uh, and acting weird. Damn saw. Sorry. Uh, was like looking at me weird and acting weird, and uh, but I just kept doing. It. I didn't. You know, no one was making fun of me, but it was like, is that guy really doing it? And I shit you not. Within the next couple uh, weeks, like all the people that had headgear started wearing headgear to school, um, because I guess in a way I showed them that it was okay to. Fuck it. You know, it's like, who cares what people think, man? Like, really, like, like half the time, you're never going to see them again. Um, <laughs> to go back to reputation, it's really important. <laughs> but the random person, it's like, if they're going to judge you for who you are, then then screw them, man. Right. Screw them. Like, be who you are. Be weird. Have fun. Embrace it. Because normal people are boring and stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is, the, this is the day and age of weird people. The TV shows keep getting weirder and weirder and keep raising the stakes, raising the stakes. It's like... Like the planet is becoming a large metropolitan area. Like everyone it. is so people are more... getting thick skin. Yeah, they're talking shit. You know what I mean? Like everything's just getting better. You know, what I mean? it's not like you know what I mean. Like I, 
love Friends. I love the show Friends so much. I'm actually trying to work on a, a more modern day version of a show like Friends, structured wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working on it for a couple months now, uh, and I've been rewatching all the episodes. I'm on uh, season nine. I actually forgot Paul Rudd was in it. So Ooh. great. He does so great. He does so great. <laughs> Phoebe's uh, uh, boyfriend. Oh my god, I'm so happy he's in it. Just like when Tom Selleck was on it. That little episode with Brad Pitt. Um, but I've been rewatching it all, and it's still everything I love. I still love the characters. I still love everything. It's corny, and it's PG. It's, it's just because it's dated. It wasn't corny and PG back then, but it's like they, they rarely get drunk. They don't do things that we do nowadays. Right, right, but right. But look at workaholics, and especially the league, where it's realistic. People are getting fucked up. They're fucking each other. They're ball busting. You know what I mean? They're doing all this crazy shit, and that's the friends that I want to make now, where it's like friends meets the league meets uh, <laughs> workaholics, or and this Always Sunny. Um, you know, you were always, or I feel like Always Sunny has like like set off a flame of writer like a a, a, a firestorm of Absolutely. writers because everyone mentions like I really want it to be like Tim Burton and um, oh it's always sunny <laughs> like okay it's always sunny is in everybody's description of their show yeah and uh, always sunny isn't my best because I haven't even watched a whole lot of them I've seen a good amount I enjoy it um but it's definitely gonna be more like Friends in the League. Um, if you haven't seen the League, check it out. That is that movie. That show. That show. Sorry, that show uh, raises the bar every season, every episode. It's so funny. <laughs> the characters are. I have literally. There's only one TV show out there that I can think of that I've watched more time, like more times from beginning to end, or at least beginning till the current season, more than the League. And that's true blood, um, true to the end. Uh, but that's it's all because I love the characters. Like hey, when I fall in love with characters, I can't stop watching it. Speaking of which, so you loved True Blood. Uh-huh. Like, is that did you like it before you even moved to LA? I watched True Blood for the first time in Afghanistan. <gasps> what and base again? I'm sorry, you're not supposed to say. Are you guys near Wolverine? Or that's not we, Iraq. We, we sorry, were, Afghanistan. We were, in, uh, we were in Helmand Province, Afghanistan. Um, it was a, a new AO. Um, when I watched it, it was on the way out. We had uh, taken, I, sh- I think it's okay to say this stuff now. It's been years. Uh, we took over a mansion. It was actually a castle. It was like three buildings. Um, and, of course, headquarters got to stay there. We got the mud huts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but on the way out, leaving the country, I got to stay in the, the castle. And uh, one of my good friends uh, had, a, we all had fucking hard drives with every movie and everything on it. Oh, we did too. Um, I saw Matrix, the oh, whole trilogy yeah. out there. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he had like the first two seasons of True Blood and I started watching it. I was like, this, wow, this is really cool. I like, cause it's just the characters are cool and it's got the right blend of action and blood and sex and <laughs> vampires and werewolves and shapeshifters and fucking witches and all the good shit. And it's like, but above else, all else it's the characters. The characters in True Blood and The League I fell in love with. And when I watched, just like Friends, and it's like when I watch these shows over and over and over again, like I have to watch, start over from the beginning and watch it again because I want to hang out with them. You know what I mean? Because like they're, they're a, you know what I mean? Like uh, You want to develop characters that mean that much to other people. Absolutely. Like one of the, one of my, the, the one of the, coolest things I've ever done was being an extra on True Blood. Like, I I, I, I finally, the, the final season, I got to walk in front of Bill Compton. What? You see me for half a second. Uh, and it's great. I actually didn't know he was British. 
uh, the actor that plays Bill Cotton, Stephen Moyer. Uh-huh. Uh, I does a good old American accent. Really? From, oh yeah. He there, tricked you. He would go. They would go cut. He's like, oh, Cherryo guys. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what Bill Compton? What are you doing here? And that man, he's he's not a like a big like buff guy or anything. Uh, but wow, he's a scary dude when he gives you that vampire look. Um, we were doing a, a a flashback scene from when he before he was a vampire, uh, when the the South was, or Louisiana was deciding to join the South in the in the Civil War, and I was one of the racists in the back that were like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, we we're actually shooting on the set of Django Unchained, um, cool. the, where he uh, I ain't letting you know like he shoots the sheriff right, right, right. and stuff mm-hmm. like that it, that whole front yard was the set we were on the outside and it was actually that bar we were shooting <sighs> in, which was another honor we cool. were in Django costumes which was an honor movie magic secrets exactly cool. and it never actually it was a really good moment between me and uh, Bill Compton that didn't make it into the thing uh. Uh, but he goes and he's like he has this physical monologue and he's like <sighs> He's like, uh, you know, the Northern has such more sophisticated weaponry than us. We should not go to war with them because we will lose. <laughs> and then he's, and the bartender's like, we don't accept no Northern sympathizers here, Mr. Compton. And then he like puts his hat on, he goes to leave. And as he goes to leave, I stand, it's, like I said, it's not in the movie, but I get in his way and kind of give this him this like, I'm going to get you, you Northern sympathizer. <laughs> and he gives me the Bill Compton looking every time. I turtled a little bit. I was like, oh, he's going to, this is Bill Compton. He's, he's a powerful vampire. He's going to bite me. So There's like a little poop there. I was <laughs> like, that, that gave me that look he gives in everything. And I was like, excuse me, Mr. Compton. I know you're going to be a vampire sometime in the next couple of years. And I don't know if you come back and suck my neck. I'll probably die in the Civil War. <laughs> uh, but it was a great fucking honor. Like, like, even to be an extra on the show that I care about so goddamn much, just to be a part of it, to actually get to, you know what I mean? Like, see Stephen Moyer. I got to see fucking Anna Paquin come run up and kiss him because their, you know, their their family was on set and shit. Like, <sighs> it was just, it was great. It was, uh, like, a lot of my friends, like, I made, I put it up saying, oh, I'm in True Blood. And everybody's like, oh, I can't see you. I'm like, oh, I can't because there I am. Snap, uh, but it's like obviously it wasn't a big role, but just it was just a big honor to be on the show, like such a cool experience, especially because it was the last season. Like shit, maybe if they went like three or four more seasons, I could have been a real character. Um, but it's like just it was like one of the last episodes in the season, and I I was able to I for that season. There were so many LA casting things, and I submitted to every single one. Every single one, I never got, never got it until finally they need looked for somebody uh, with a beard. And okay, I had one of those. What? Oh, it hurts! <laughs> I hate that facial hair gets people everything. Um, grow a beard. You can always shave it into whatever you want, but it, it takes you a lot longer to grow something. Wait, say it again. All if you want to be an actor and be, in my opinion, and be ready for anything. All the ones that I know that that are most versatile, they always have a good grown-in beard, not like a thick one, but like you know a good, like you know mini beard. Because like, if, say if a director, if you wanted to, sideburns, boom, you shaved into sideburns. You want a goatee, done. Mustache, done. Any blade, whatever you want to do. Um, but if somebody, if an, if a if a uh, director wants something like a mustache or whatever. How long is it gonna take you to grow it? You know, a good one. You uh, know mine I mean? took a month, and it never. It just. It was caterpillar. <laughs> <laughs> Six years yeah. of practice oh. and, and combing. Uh, uh, training it, training your hair to go down. So many people don't realize that mustaches and beards must be combed. <laughs> a lot of people go as far as using uh, wax, not necessarily to style it, but to put in there and like different 
ointment and stuff. I've never gotten that far. Dimitri uses the oils and the lotions for the. I use stuff kind of like it when I was playing Patrick Lawrence. I was trying to be a hipster. Um, but he was but, perfect. He needed that. He needed that little oh, grungy look too. But the uh, the literally combing and training it to go in a direction like anybody that I know has a successful beard out there combs it, mm-hmm. and more than probably he would even admit. Really, it's 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 fun. <laughs> um, last thing because we got to get going. No, it's all. I got to go to uh, sleep. I'm tired. Yeah, yeah. You worked all night, didn't you? Mm. Mm. I worked till three. That's pretty. All good. the rest was recreational. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, do you think weed should be legalized? Absolutely. I, uh, I mean, I could go, this could be a whole nother hour long conversation, but I mean, I think the fact that it was, uh, became illegal for the first place was for the wrong reasons, the wrong campaign, a bunch of falsified scientific evidence. Um, but ultimately it doesn't, you know I mean? No one, no one. I'm telling you, if you you have proof that this happened, a news story, people don't fucking smoke a blunt and beat their wives or go out, smoke a blunt and go shoot somebody. No, it's it's the fuck to people that are going to do it anyway. Uh, Or it's alcohol. It's alcohol. It's cocaine. It's everything else. You know what I'm telling you? Like, 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 uh. In the years I've been smoking weed, it's it's brought me together with more and more people. Like it's like people were you don't you don't meet a lot of dickhead stoners out there, and if you do, it's because they they're probably doing other stuff too. Um, but it's like it, it it opens the mind. I know for a fact that I pulled just about straight A's all through two colleges. Smoking weed every fucking day from the moment I went to bed, to the moment I went to sleep. In fact, every uh, final that I ever took in college, including biology, psychology, before I went to film school and I was actually trying to be a scientist. Yes, I tried to be a scientist at one point and uh, I still pulled A's while being I would smoke a blunt going into my uh, my thing. Um, I can do literally anything high. I'm actually better. I'm more patient. It just, my thoughts are all over the place. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I smoke weed, I'm able to slow them down and catch the individual thoughts and organize them in the way that I need to do. Uh, Not to mention, um, it helps me think outside the box. I don't know how many times in Silver Lake Detective and in Ghost, um, something big would happen and we'd be fucked. And I just, I'd tell everybody, fuck it. Fuck this show. We're done. It's over. We can't go any further. Ugh. And I'd run into my room and I'd smoke a blunt and I'd come out and I'd be like, I have the idea. It's going <laughs> to save the day. Dude, Joe got even to the point where like I cuss and run off and then he'd be like, he'll be back in a little bit. And I'd come out, aha, aha. Like in Civil Lake Detective, all of our locations kept falling through. So I would get stoned and come up with a way that I can shoot a way of my apartment that I had never used yet. And uh, say it's a new. Uh, oh, that's you. Yeah. Sorry. No, I was hoping it would stop. <laughs> Um, <laughs> your dog's like no 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 I was looking at the door but we gotta um, no but really I yes I think weed should be legalized I think it would uh, keep a lot more people out of jail I think I mean look how, how well Colorado and well Colorado more than fucking Seattle but uh, Colorado's been doing great they've made so much money it's it's like no 
the reason why weed costs so much, like like the uh, like, is because of all the bullshit. But it's like it does. It's not a hard plant to make. Right. So it's like if the government were to, in my opinion, a lot of stoners would hate this. Uh, but in my opinion, if the government were to legalize it, take it over, you know, uh, mass produce it or whatever, and then tax it up to the point because it, it take it would take nothing to make especially in the government level, but tax it up to the point that we're not paying a difference. It's not more expensive, but it's the same thing as street price. <laughs> now we've solved our debt problems. You know what I mean? We've done so much. Colorado has made so much money. Do you think all that money and that prosperity just brings happiness? No, but I think weed does. <laughs> like... I know that like before before <laughs> weed was legalized in Washington, there were so many, including my both my grandmothers were against it. The second weed uh, was legalized, like my grandma smokes weed. I don't know if she knows that I know that, but yeah, <laughs> my grandma gets stoned now and she does it for her arthritis. It's like people, because of all of the bad shit, people always assumed that weed was a bad thing and it wouldn't actually help them, but weed helps more people than anybody thing. Right. It's it's good for so many diagnoses. It helps people with uh, MS that get really bad seizures and then calm down. It, it helps so many people. It's, I've seen so many things that people's lives have got changed. Infants, babies, kids that, that have to get, they get fed it like in a liquid because it stops their seizure and it saves lives. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it has very little negative repercussions and most of those can be avoided by other ways by edibles in ways that you're not the only thing that really harms is your lungs and if you do edibles or other ways of doing it then it's you're getting just just the good things you know what i mean so i i think that you know you could if you have an array you have a bunch of sicknesses and diseases you could take a whole bunch of pharmaceutical drugs that are destroying your body or you could do one that does it all for way cheaper and it's natural well i don't know if it does it all just about but well, we haven't dis- we haven't actually studied it really it because cancer. I hope so. But well, they say that the uh, the the a certain kind the C CBD CBD mm-hmm. CBD that is supposed to like at least stop tumor growth. You have them supposedly. I have to do my research. CBD, I think it's called, but it's not most most weed has THC. You have to get certain grades that are CBD. I see it might be CB something, uh, but it's, it's it's fine. Hit this ball. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm fucking ready to hit this ball. <laughs> um, uh, thank you for being on my uh, podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. This was great. Did you have fun? Absolutely. All right, cool. Do you chill? Like, you want to go get something to eat? I want to go home and go to bed. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm sending you off then. All right. Say, uh, oh, oh, one last thing. Do you want to plug anything? Do you want a website or anything? Um, If you want to... Uh Check out Ghost, which we talked about. Um, search Ghost Rises. It's on IMDb. It's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. Um, there's trailers on YouTube. Um, if you want to find our web series or a bunch of other web series and short films we have, um, you can search $2 Fish on uh, is it YouTube the or Google. T-W-O? Or is yeah, it it's none? T-W-O-D-O-L-L-A Dalla Fish. F-I-S-H. Um, but really, even though we've done a bunch of projects since, the easiest way to find our stuff is to search Silver Lake Detective on YouTube. It'll pop up a bunch of episodes, and you can find our YouTube channel on there, which has ghost trailers. It'll have all our upcoming stuff. Nice. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. And if you got Instagram, uh, $2 Fish or Ghost Rises or Aaron Toft, I guess. Aaron Toft. Do you have a website? No. All right, thanks. <laughs> 
Hello fans, Facebook, SoundCloud. Thanks for pushing me past 60 likes. Broken yeah. 20 in the past couple weeks, so here we go. My whole life. I'd like to thank Aaron Toft, and I'd like to thank uh, Aaron Stack again for showing up for more Spider-Bite Moonshine script writing. Thank you. And I'd also like to thank, oh my god, the UCB 301 class that I just finished rocked. They were amazing. Everybody in that class was great. Zach, my last episode was uh, also part of that class, graduation. Um, yeah, thank you guys. Why is life so hard to deal with? Sometimes I'm excited, then I start to feel shit. I want to dip down, but no car to leave with. And is there a heaven or a darker ceiling, yo? I'm a loser. I'm a loser. Music by The Losers, Gotta Keep Moving, and Blue Dot Sessions, Turning. Both these songs and more can be found at freemusicarchive.org. Loser by Samurai can be found at SoundCloud, search Sam R.I. Hip Hop. This has been a production of rockbottomartist.com.